Hello, I'm Tapsy. I'm now call it. And my sprite is March 1st of 89. I feel like I need to pee, throw up, and go to sleep right now. Um, um, I'd like to thank uh, Joan and the committee for asking me to speak. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege, and especially to get to go speak with my sponsor, um, Sheila, um, and and. Uh, it's her birthday today, so happy birthday, Sheila. And, uh, and uh, I, I am just honored to get to be, be able to be here, and everybody keeps asking me if I'm Todd's wife, and no, I'm not. I'm Satsy, he's my husband. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he came and talked down here last year, and um, if he said anything bad, it's a lie. Anything good is probably true. And, um, you know... Uh, he and I just celebrated, um, because of Alcoholics Anonymous, our 14th wedding anniversary. And, uh, and believe me, it has not been um, just rosy all the time. We've walked through a lot of hard times and still do. And uh, But I wouldn't trade any of it because um, I've gotten too much from Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm supposed to tell you in a general way what it was like, what happened, and what it's like today. <clears throat> and what it was like was really bad. Um, I grew up in, uh, I was the oldest of four girls. I grew up in a normal home. Um, <clears throat> my dad was an alcoholic, and I can say that because he died sober in AA. He had seven years of sobriety when he died, and uh, we had a good seven years, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and I had three little sisters, and my mother chased my dad around a lot, and I had free reign. And a lot of people would probably say, oh, I was deprived. I loved it. It was great. I could do what I wanted. Nobody was bothering me. <laughs> and um, And I... The first time I ever, well, I drank, it was okay to drink, just, you know, like pop the top off a beer, take it to my dad, drink a little bit. But I, the first time I ever drank uh, and got a little consequence, it's like the first time I ever got drunk, I had this consequence that I thought was awful at the time. And then the last time I drank, I had a, not a good consequence. And uh, and in between all those drinks, um, I really enjoyed our speaker last night because I related so much. It was, you know, in between all those drinks, I was crazy, nuts, insane, ready to kill people. And while drinking, I felt better. And um, and you can ask my husband if you don't believe me. It's the truth. I was awful. Um, and without Alcoholics Anonymous, I couldn't live sober. There's no way I could. I've tried, and it doesn't work for me. Um, without, I liked what he talked about working the steps, <clears throat> because it was through working the steps that um, my life started to change eventually. Anyways, I don't know where, where I went with that. Um, I uh, I grew up in a normal home. My dad drank. The first time I got drunk, I was at my grandmother's. I was about 10 years old. My sister was about 8 years old. And, uh, you know, those little airplane bottles? When my grandfather, Doc, he collected them. And there was this whole huge cabinet, drawers full of them. So I got out all the ones with, it was white, like clear. You could see through it. And um, it had bananas. And it looked like you'd be in Hawaii if you drank it. And it was banana something. <laughs> And so I got all of those out and I drank them, me and my sister. And uh, she fell all the way down the stairs and we got in trouble. And I don't remember anything after that until the next morning I woke up. And I apparently I told, told them my aunt gave it to us or something. And so my mom brought my aunt out. And so I drink, I lie, I get in trouble, I throw up, I wake up, can't remember what I've done, I get told. I mean, that was kind of how it always was. And that was the very first time. And, and I didn't say, I'm never going to drink again, I'm going to drink every time I can. 
uh, I just thought, this sucks getting caught. I'm, I don't want to get caught doing that again. Because then you get in trouble. And it's embarrassing. I had to call my aunt and apologize. And, oh, it was awful. I just felt terrible. And uh, I remember just bawling, please don't make me call her. Please don't make me call her. And I had to call her. And, uh, and I just thought that I'm not going to get caught doing that again. And uh, I didn't plan uh, my life the way it went, that's for sure. I planned to have a lot of children, and uh, God knew I couldn't handle them all, so he didn't give me too many. And um, <laughs> I, planned to, I planned to have uh, this house and this white picket fence. I mean, that, that was my dream. Um, I really wanted the family life. And um, I started drinking seriously when I was about 12 years old. And, um, and when I was 12 years old... Uh, we were doing a lot of drugs, too. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I'm comfortable in Alcoholics Anonymous because I know I'm a true alcoholic. What it talks about in the big book uh, about the real alcoholic. All of my other problems, all of my other things seem to work themselves out if I work the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. When uh, I was 12 years old, I was going to, te- to uh, parties on the weekends with the high school kids. And Mom didn't notice much because I was always going. My first time to the net ward, and I'm not talking about treatment center. <laughs> but the net hut. I was 14 years old, and I had um, been drinking whiskey and um, um, taking some, uh, uh, whatever, uh, muscle relaxers. They were my grandmother's. It was her birthday that day. I stole them. And um, I made it, made it to second hour. And uh, first, I was Jane Fonda workout. We were in peeing class, and that was really interesting. I was kind of rubbery. <laughs> Didn't do very well, but I made it through it. And then second hour, I'm not sure what it was, but... All I remember is being um, in the hallway, and I slid down the wall, and um, the principal carried me like a baby down the hallway and uh, called my mother, and they made me drink mustard and water. And if you drink mustard and water, you'll throw your guts up, and I did. And then um, I got home, and I'm not sure what all happened. I know I took some more of those pills, and I had a little bit more whiskey left. I drank that, and uh, it was my grandma's birthday, and... And I went upstairs, and the next thing I remember um, is I look up and I see my sister, and I had a butcher knife because she looked terrified. I had a butcher knife and cut my arms all up, but I don't remember doing it. Apparently, I was really serious about it, though, because I have this book. It's like this thick. I still have it. I keep it. It's hilarious. I've, I wrote to everybody that I thought would matter and let them know how awful they should feel because of my death and <laughs> all this stuff. And I was, I mean, it was awful. I mean, I told them how awful it was. And uh, so I was already looking at everybody else. I mean, I, I always was looking at everybody else. It was, it could never be me. And, and I thought that way in Alcoholics Anonymous for a couple of years. I mean, I really, it was hard to do the look at your part thing. I just thought, well, if they wouldn't have, but, but you don't understand. And um, it was a long time before I figured that part out. Um, anyways, so I went I wound up, apparently, I didn't go to my grandma's birthday, and I, I didn't cut my wrist, but I cut them pretty bad, but not bad enough for stitches, and then um, I went with my friend to the lake, and we got stuck in, like, mud, and we had to go to the hospital, and they just said, stay in the car, don't come out, because she cut her foot, we were trying to push the truck out of there, and she cut her foot, and, all, you know, these were my best friends, two of my best friends, and they said, just stay in the truck, don't get out, you'll get in trouble like you always do, just stay in the car. So, I, I mean, I, I felt pretty bad, and that's the last thing I remember until a day later or two, and um, <clears throat> I woke up, and I was in four-point restraints, and I woke up, and this man was sitting on my bed, and I said, where am I? And he told me, and I laughed. I thought, oh, that's really funny. This is a joke. And he told me again, and I thought, for what? And he goes, well, you tried to kill yourself. State law, 30 days, you're in here. And I thought, 
So four months later, I got out. They kept me a little bit longer. They wouldn't release me. And um, here's, uh, it, it just is like a picture for me of an alcoholic, how well we blend in. Um, I, I knew they had made a terrible mistake putting me in the nut hut. And they, didn't, they wouldn't put me in the children's unit because I was violent. And um, so they put me in with the, all these adults. I was 14 years old. And I really, I loved what he talked about last night, about the firemen and all that stuff. And I had um, this guy, he was in there and he was uh, what do you call it pyromaniac and he'd always walk around he'd go you have any kerosene you see any kerosene you got a lighter you got a lighter and we'd just go yeah I think down the hall down the hall and we'd just mess with him and, it, and I made really good friends in there really quick and um, they give you medication while you're there if you act crazy enough and so I did and you save it for a few days and you can have a really great time while you're there but when I first got there I didn't think I belonged there I, they had made a mistake by the time I left there hey this isn't such a bad deal. I mean, you can, like, you know, if you're good, you can play pool sometimes. You can play ping pong. You can have all these pills that they give you, and you act crazier, and they give you more stuff. I mean, it was really kind of all right. So after four months, I got out, and, um, and I, you know, I, I just do what alcoholics do. I started drinking. I went, I went out that night, and I got drugged, and uh, my friends left me on my front porch, leaned me against the door, and rang the doorbell, and I fell in, and I threw up on my mother, and she left me on the stairs and it was normal and uh, and I've put my family through a lot of awful times and I've tried to make amends and I have good relationships with all of my family today um, and I didn't think that possible because of some of the things that I have done to them I used to beat my sisters up steal their money lie to them tell them that I was going to get killed because I owed so and so some money or whatever and um, they would be afraid for me and they would they would steal from me and they would get money from me and um, and I was just not a good sister and they were afraid of me because um, I was so awful and so violent when I was uh, 16 years old um, I wound up going to my um, a treatment center um, it was a locked up treatment center my mother put me in because she didn't know what else to do with me she'd pick me up from jail and she was having to come and look for me, send the police for me, because um, by this time she was kind of concerned. And um, I, uh, I went to this treatment center, and oh, by the way, that's where I met my husband. <clears throat> we were in treatment together, and um, we sponsored each other. We sponsored each other, and um, and you know, I don't suggest that um, if you're new that you. You know, stay away from the guys for a little while. Um, anyways, I, I met him there and we're still married today. And that's uh, a lot of the people that I thought would stay married forever that have been in my life are now divorced. I never would have thought me and him would have lasted this long. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, people like my mom was thinking six months at the most. And they had to sign papers. And I, I went to this treatment center and when I got there, I was mad. I didn't want to quit drinking. I wasn't even thinking about quitting drinking. It was what helped me. And, um, I wound up, uh, by the time I left there, I still didn't want to quit drinking, but I wanted to be a better person. I didn't want to hurt people. Because, you know, they came in there and started telling you how bad stuff you did, and you don't remember half of it. And I was like, ah, I mean, no, nah, that's not true. And when I started to believe some of it, knew some of it was true, I thought that I, I really don't want to act that way anymore. I don't want to do those things anymore. But I didn't know any other way to be. It was just, it was the only way I knew. And so it didn't, you know, my goodness wore off really quick. Well, like in a day. <laughs> Anyway, so I was exposed to Alcoholics Anonymous for the first time in that in there. After I was there for a month, they let me go to meetings. They'd take us. They wouldn't let me out for then because I would run away, and they knew I would. And so they took me to these meetings, and it, um, 
It was the big book group in Shawnee, and that's where I got sober. I didn't get sober then, but I, I it planted a seed. And uh, I remember I laughed through their meeting. I laughed and, and thought it was a big joke and thought it was goofy. And <clears throat> a man stood up and he said, listen, we're having a meeting here. You can either sit down here and shut up or you can get the hell out. In the middle of the meeting, he said that. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking, golly. And he was serious, too. And I hated him. I hated that man. And, uh, and I, I mean, I shut up. I thought, well, okay. And uh, I listened to the meeting, and I didn't want to go back. And I told them, and they kept making me go to those meetings. And I'd just sit back there, and I'd like roll my eyes and look around. I thought, I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. I'm too young to be an alcoholic, all that stuff. Well, then I get out of the treatment center, and I... Um, I have a boyfriend, but, you know, I met Todd, and um, so I go back home, and then Todd comes down there, me and my boyfriend got in a fight, <clears throat> I said, what would you think about me moving down there to Shawnee? And he goes, yeah, that'd be great, great, and he acts like he didn't even care, but he did, he was all excited about it, and so I went down there, and um, and I just, like, went and told my mom, I go, I think I'm going to move to Shawnee, I'll move in with Grandma for a little while, or stay with Todd's family, and my mom packed me that night. She was up there, we packing, she thought... I mean, she helped me load my stereo in there. I still have that. And I had a box of clothes, and that was about all I had. And um, she helped me pack, and I moved. And, I mean, I drove myself to my grandma's and um, moved in there. And uh, it, and I, I thought that Todd wouldn't want me if I wasn't sober because I, we were lying to each other already. And uh, he, he was thinking that I wouldn't want to be with him if he wasn't. So we were hiding this from each other. It lasted a whole week. We hid it from each other. So one day he asked me, we're in the car, and he goes, you ever think about drinking? I go, no. <laughs> I go, do you? And he goes, yeah, sometimes. I go, well, sometimes I do. And he goes, he pops the glove box, and he goes, you want to? And I go, all right. And we were off. And, I mean, that's how hard it was to get me to, you know, to go. And so we were off and running. And the next two years of my life were insane. Um, I really thought... Um, we got married. <clears throat> I got pregnant because you do that first if you're an alcoholic woman like me. You get pregnant, then married. <clears throat> I got pregnant, and uh, I got married. I had turned 17 two weeks before we got married, so my parents had to sign me away. And um, his parents signed him, too, because he's only six months older than I am. So and they were more than happy to do this. I mean, they were go right on ahead, take him. <clears throat> Anyways, we, we lost the baby a few weeks before the wedding. And, uh, you know, I uh, always said I quit partying. Uh, when I got when I found out I was, I was four months pregnant when I found out I was pregnant and I lost the baby at about five months I always said I quit partying I just wasn't drinking hard is what I, I, I was still drinking just not hard like I drink a gallon of peach reunity wine instead of you know whiskey and that was fine I thought and uh, you know I don't know if, if it was my actions that that baby didn't make it or not I have no idea I know I've been pregnant a lot of times since, since I've been sober and um, I've lost I've, I've not been able to have have them and so I don't know and it doesn't really matter all I know is that God gives me what I can handle and obviously I couldn't handle it um we got married and I really thought that this is going to be the deal we're going to settle down and this will be great well the day before Todd quits his job and we fill up the car with gas and we go and buy rice and hot dogs and our families paid for our first and last month's rent. It was like, I think, $100. We couldn't even come up with that. And, um, I mean, we had a full tank of gas, and we had money coming for the wedding. You know, people are going to put money in the little pouch and money. And we just gave the whole pouch to our friends to get whatever you can get with this and bring it to the hotel. Because we had one night, and it was our honeymoon. And uh, my grandmother paid for that at a hotel for us. And um, 
and we woke up the next day all dressed, completely dressed, and uh, we just partied. And uh, that's all we did was drink and party. And um, and I was having fun though. It was the in between times that I wasn't having fun. It was if I could stay drunk 24 hours a day and be okay, I would do it. I mean, I would not be here if I could do that. But I have to. Eventually, your body physically, you have to sober up eventually. And my body would sober up, and oh. You know, then you remember what you've done, or you're told what you've done, which is even worse. You'd rather just shut up and not say anything. And uh, so, my my life at that time was just uh, one disaster after another. Just, I mean, one thing. I, you know, and I I hear people talk about like she was talking. Can't anything ever just go right? And that's what I thought. Can't anything ever just go right? Like I planned it, like it's supposed to be, and nothing ever did. It was always messed up. Our house was the party house. We were young. Everybody was always at our house. I'd wake up in the morning on the floor, and our floor was no, it was nasty. I mean, I didn't clean. I didn't cook. I didn't dress well. I didn't bathe well. Um, I was I was gross. I was just a gross person, and um, and Todd was grosser than me. So. That was Anyways, we we wound up, uh, you know, every day I drank every day. I was daily drunk. My father was not. My father could go a couple of weeks and not drink, and then he'd drink every day for a month, and then he'd go a couple of weeks. I drank every day. I had to. I had to just to get up out of the bed. I had to just to get out the door. You know, if I could even do that. And uh, our house was a battle zone. We fought every day. I was violent. I threw things. I broke Todd's nose. I've um, uh, tried to stab him with a knife. I pulled a gun on him. I've done uh, stuff that is unforgivable and um, been forgiven. And uh, and I talk about this a lot. Todd and I, um, this last year has been a really hard year for us. Um, and and uh, I think it's like the longer you're sober, the more you need to do. And so I found out, you know, what was okay a few years ago isn't okay anymore. I have to change that and make some changes. And that's, ugh, you have to give up again. And, oh, I hate it. I just fight it and fight it and fight it. And um, anyways, that's why I talk so much about that, because I am very grateful, because my husband is um, one of those people that's willing to do, to do anything for me in any way that he can to help me. And I'm pretty lucky to have that. And I take it for granted a lot of the time. And here lately I haven't, and, um, and I've been grateful for that. Um, anyways, we fought all the time. I was going to kill him or me, you know, every day. We were always leaving. I'm leaving, never coming back. He's leaving, never coming back. <laughs> anyways, when I got sober, I, I went to two Alcoholics Anonymous meetings on my own. And a lady named Glenabel picked me up, and she's still sober today. Um, she picked me up for um, those two meetings. I called, and they picked me up. And... Uh, I went to that meeting, and I was sure I was going to stay sober for the rest of my life. I mean, I was really excited about it. I was never going to drink it. It would be good. I mean, I'd made all these commitments. I was going to do this, this, this. Perfect person. I got home at 30 minutes, and I was drunk. And I, I didn't mean to. I, was, I mean, I really didn't want to. I had to. And it happened this another night about two weeks later. I thought, I'm going to try again. So I go to this meeting, and I'm really excited. I'm hearing stuff. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I go, and, and I'm home 30 minutes, and I'm drunk. And I thought, oh, I can't do this. And it was a few months after that that I got sober. And how that happened was I got mad one day at Todd again and told him I was leaving forever. I was never coming back. And um, I left and uh, I went to my mom's because we weren't allowed over at my mom's anymore or anywhere anymore if we were drinking, so you just didn't go. 
I went to my mom's and I said, Mom, I've got, I think I have a problem. Could you just take me to a, a meeting? So she took me to the Western Club in Oklahoma City, and that, that was on March 1st of 1989. And from that day until now, I haven't had to take a drink. And for an alcoholic in my time, that's amazing. Because, man, some of the stuff that still goes through my head, oh, my God, it's <laughs> sick. And, uh, and I didn't know that when I got here. I, I know it now. It makes it a little bit easier to kind of deal with, thinking you're weird. But um, <laughs> anyways, um, I, I went to a meeting that night. I don't remember anything that was said. It was a speaker meeting. I was bald through the whole thing. I don't even remember it. Um, I, I went home and then, and the ne- that day and, or the next day, and Todd came home, and I was folding a blanket or something. I was cleaning the house. He asked, what are you doing? And I go, I'm cleaning the house. And he goes, you were leaving. And I go, well, I'm cleaning the house now, and I'm going to get sober in AA. I went to meeting last night. And he looked at me and probably did the best thing he could have done for me ever. He looked at me and laughed as hard as he could, and he laughed. And he said, you can't stay sober. And because I couldn't. I couldn't. And, um, oh, it made me so mad. And I thought, you got <laughs> So I think the first 30 days might have been just, you know, resentment. <laughs> sober resentment. <laughs> And you talk about miserable to live with. Oh, my God. The next three months, I was like, hell. And by the way, I have more time than my husband. And um, he always says, yeah, but it's quality. And I go, I know. Remember that. And anyways, he, um, he got sober three months after I did. And uh, it was kind of a weird deal how that happened. But I, uh, I was just, I was miserable those three months. My, what I, my, I got a sponsor on accident. I didn't mean to get a sponsor. I didn't know that. I went to a meeting and this lady came up to me and she asked me um, if I had a sponsor. And I said, no. And she goes, okay, well, I'm going to be your sponsor. Okay. So I walk off. She goes, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. And she sets me down. She tells me all these things I'm going to do. And I'm thinking, oh, my God. I, I, mean, I was just going to come to some meetings and listen and relate and really, you know, I'd feel better. I'd be okay. And uh, so I got a sponsor. And I'm so grateful that the group that I went to believed in strong sponsorship and believed in um, do what you say you're going to do and share with others, be with others, give of yourself. Because if they wouldn't have done those things for me, I don't know that I'd still be here today. Some groups I've been to, I don't know how they stay sober there. I don't know if I could stay sober there. Um, It's like put the plug in the jug and that's the way it is. And I'm not that way. I don't understand that. I've tried to put the plug in the jug and I'll kill you if I put it in there. (laughs) I I just can't do that. I've got to have the steps and a sponsor and people that will tell me the truth even when I just don't even like them for it, you know? And uh, anyway, so I, I stayed sober. My, she told me to get a job, and I went and I got a job at a daycare. <laughs> Brand new sober alcoholic working with children. Oh, my God. <laughs> I needed a drink after work every day. But I, I worked for this lady, and she told me. She said, I just want you to know. She goes, I know you're an AA. And she, she wasn't an A or anything. She goes, my father died of alcoholism, and you can work here as long as you stay sober, and I'll give you as many hours as you need to st- stay busy. See, she had read the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and she had read the working with others and to the wives part, and she knew what to do with me. And, uh, and it, it was, I mean, I hated every minute, but I looked back, and it was the most perfect plan. Um, I was worked all day, and she, oh, she'd work me when I didn't want to work. I'd work all the time. <laughs> And I'm not much of a worker. I don't keep a job. I get them and leave them. I don't keep one. And I, this one I kept for a little while. And uh, I'd go to work. I'd go home. I'd try and eat if I could. Oh, I want to tell you when I first got sober the first few weeks. I want to say this because I think it's important. Um, how I was when I first got sober. Um, I hear Peg talk about it. I hear Sheila talk about it. I hear everybody talk about it. And, and sometimes I tend to forget. Uh, when, I, when I got sober, I, was, I weighed uh, 87 pounds. 
I weigh 140 now, so 87 is pretty gross. Um, I mean, I need to lose some weight, but but 87 is gross. <laughs> I thought I looked good. Um, I uh, my hair was all dry. I, uh, I this is after I was sober. I would pass out places. Like I would have these spells, and I would just like fall asleep in the shower. And I, I was sober. I wasn't drinking or doing anything else. Nothing else. I wasn't doing anything. And then um, I was throwing up blood, and I was blood came out wherever it could come out. Uh, if you get my drift, and I know that's really gross, but that's called alcoholism. And um, I was try. I would try and eat, but I couldn't hold anything down. And it was that way for the first two to three weeks, and it was miserable. I mean, it was miserable. And uh, if nothing else, sometimes uh, when I was early in, really early in sobriety, I would remember that stuff and think, I can't do that again, ever again. I can never do that again. Because I thought I was going to have to shoot myself because it was so painful to sober up. Physically, so painful. I mean, you know, mentally I'm Fruit Loop anyways, but physically it was awful. And uh, anyways, I got, I, I stayed sober and... Um, Todd got sober, and so I'm thinking, Todd's sober, I'm sober, you know, this is going to be great. You know, AA family are going to be happy, happy, happy. And we were for about three days, and it was just like hell. I was going, oh, my God. And what my sponsor did for me um, and what his sponsor did for him um, was they kept us away from each other. They, like, kept me busy over here and him busy over here, and I was told to stick with the women. He was told to stick with the men. I mean, they wouldn't even let us sit together in a meeting. They would, like, be grabbing one of us, pulling us away, and... Because we were so sick, you know. I mean, we've decided now that we're both so sick that nobody else will have us, so we might as well stay together. Because nobody else will do it. <laughs> but I thought, I'd been sober, and um, we, we I, I mean, we were going to AA. I was going to meetings. I was doing everything. I was working the steps. I was three and a half years sober um, before I worked a complete and honest fourth and fifth step. Um, there was just a couple of little things I wasn't going to talk about. I mean, ever. Wasn't going to do it. Wasn't willing to do it. And uh, my first two and a half, three and a half years of sobriety were, I had a lot of great times and a lot of great memories. Uh, fellowship and fun and uh, the things that the people did for us. Um, when I got sober, we didn't have any money because, well, we didn't work. You know, you don't have money if you don't work. You steal to get what you have and we didn't have any money and we had a place to live. And, and uh, I see that place all the time because it's Todd's great-grandfather's house. And he built it himself, and he was an awful builder. And there would be snakes in there, there would be mice in there, there would be cockroaches in there, there would be rats in there. Um, it was gross. I mean, I couldn't live there now after I've got to live somewhere clean. I mean, I couldn't do it again. Um, anyways, we lived in, and it was free, that was why we lived there. <laughs> and uh, anyways, we, I stayed sober, and... Um, Went to meetings, did a lot of uh, fellowship, went on a ton of 12-step calls. My sponsor would take me, drag me out in the middle of the night, and then she wouldn't even let me talk. She'd just be like, look at me, like, don't even say anything. And we'd go on these 12-step calls, and I'd be, I mean, I'd, I didn't like going on them in the first place. And, uh, but I was one of the few girls that would go anywhere. I was like, all right, I'll go. But I was so miserable and desperate still that I was like, okay, okay. And I was reminded often, you said you were willing to go to any lengths to stay sober. I was like, oh, shit. I shouldn't have done... Oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. I'm sorry. Shoot. sorry. So, anyways, uh, my second year of sobriety... Um, or, well, my first year of sobriety, I got pregnant. Now, I wasn't supposed to have any kids because I had endometriosis and um, I just wasn't supposed to carry any kids full term. 
and I had Zachary, my my first son, and he is um, 10 years old. He'll be 11 in July. He's up to here. He's he's so cute, and um, and he's a brat, but he's cute, brat. And um, and uh, when I had him, when I got sober, and I had didn't have any friends or family around. When I had him, I was the only one in the hospital that night having a baby. The hallway was full. There must have been at least 75 people there. Family, friends in AA and Al-Anon, everybody was there. And uh, I didn't get to see everybody at one time. Uh, they just came in in, like, groves, you know. And um, <clears throat> But I have a tape. Um, a friend of mine, she taped all of this stuff for me. And I saw, got to see all those people out there. And they were all saying congratulations, and they were so happy. And they shared that with us. And... That was nothing I expected. It was a gift that it was given that I didn't deserve. I didn't deserve that child, and I didn't deserve for those people to even care. And they gave me baby clothes. They had a shower for me. They did all kinds of really nice things that, I mean, it was almost scary because you think, what do they want? You know, what do they want? And, uh, I mean, I'd read the big book, but I wasn't comprehending a lot of it still. And uh, then um, at two, uh, he was born when he was four months old. My husband and I moved to Texas, and we set, wound up separating him about two months later. We were separated for about nine months, and uh, I thought it was the worst thing in the world. I have this new baby, and I don't know how to take care of it. I don't know how to work, really, and I, how am I going to do this? And uh, it was the best thing that ever could have happened for me and for him. I had talked about this God that I didn't, wasn't sure about believing in. Um, I would say things in meetings, you know, to sound good. And, um, I, but I really wasn't sure about it. I wasn't, I mean, I believed, yeah, there probably was God, because I was afraid not to believe that there probably was one, because if there was one, then I'd probably get struck by lightning or something, if there was one. And so if there was one, he didn't, he wasn't going to help me, and he wasn't going to work in my life. So the only thing I could see that was happening was I was staying sober because of AA when I first got here. Well, that, that time in my life, I had no one to point the finger at, no one to blame, but I was alone, me and my kid, and there wasn't anybody else around. It was me. I was the one. I was the one making my life miserable. I was the one creating this mess. I was the one. And I had to rely upon something else, bigger and better than me. And it wound up being God. And um, we wound up getting back together after nine months of, of separation, and, and things got better. And they've continued to get better. I mean, we've had some bad days, I'm telling you now. But, but we've had some great times, too. And um, at three and a half years of sobriety, I changed sponsors, and I got Sheila to sponsor me. Um, I found it necessary because I, um, I uh, well, I just did. That's all I have to say about that. Um, <clears throat> anyways, I changed sponsors, and um, uh, when I did my, uh, Sheila started me over. I mean, like step one, you're on step one. And Sheila treated me like I was brand new because I was an insane person. And uh, and she worked the steps with me, and, then for, and that was the first time I ever got completely honest with another human being was when I did my fourth and fifth step, when I did my fifth step with her. And I told those couple of things, and she didn't even mention like it was a big deal or nothing. So it was just in my, it was in my head it was a big deal. And uh, and from that time until now, I've had freedom. I, um, I felt more like a part of I don't feel like I'm just running my mouth when I'm in a meeting and talking instead of I'm being honest about it. I'm not, you know, how are you supposed to, what happened is really cool. Um, this girl I was sponsoring wound up, she wound up um, doing her fifth step with me, and the two things that I told my sponsor, she told me just a few weeks later. And I shared with her my own experience, strength and hope, so she wouldn't feel alone. If I wouldn't have done that with my sponsor, I probably couldn't have done that with that girl then. Um, I got, well, how much longer do I got? What time did you have? Okay, I'm okay, I'm okay. Okay, okay. Um, anyways, uh, when I, uh, 
my sobriety has been, um, for the most part, pretty good. Um, I, except for when I get in the way. <laughs> when, uh, when I put God first and, and let Him run things, and I'm willing to let somebody else give me direction, I mean, really, it's almost perfect. I mean, nothing could be planned so better, you know? But when I get in the way of it, I just screw it all up. And here's how my alcoholic mind thinks. I think, okay, this is this problem. And it's really not that big a problem. It's really like, oh, I want this and I can't get it now. And it's this huge problem. Well, it just, it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I, may, I can make the smallest little nothing into this gigantic problem and be so overwhelmed that I'm ready to go take a drink. And, uh, and when I get like that, before it gets too, too big, I have to call somebody. If I can't get hold of my sponsor, I call somebody that will tell me the truth, not somebody that will pat me on the back and go, oh, it's okay. Yes, you're right. They shouldn't have done that to you. I mean, I just call somebody that I know, because I've, I've done it the other way. I've called people that will tell you what you want to hear, and you don't get better. You stay sick. And I'd want to get better. <laughs> I don't want to stay sick. I've been sick too long. Anyways, when I had about... Um, Oh, well, Garner will be four this July. I had another little baby and, uh, named Garner, and I love telling the story. Before Garner, before Garner was born, um, I was about four or five months pregnant, and my father died. Um, Sheila's father had died about a year before that. A few months after my father died, a friend of mine, her father, had died. The same way my father had died, just a few months after my father. I was able to share my experience, strength, and hope. When my dad died... My dad and I didn't have a relationship after I hit puberty. <laughs> it was like, bye. He didn't want, I, we, we couldn't stay in the same room. We fought all the time. He just didn't like me and I didn't like him. It was just the way it was. When I got sober, he said it was stupid. I shouldn't go to AA. I should be, just drink on the weekends. Don't be drinking every day. That was a bad idea, AA. And uh, he didn't want me to go to AA. My dad got sober about a year after I did. My dad and I both made amends to each other. My dad sent me a letter after he'd been sober a little while, about a year. And he wrote me this letter. And I saw him every week because he just lived about an hour from me, but he wrote a letter because he just couldn't do it and faced it, you know, she cried. I understand. But um, <laughs> but he uh, wrote me this letter, and he thanked me for being a good example in AA. So, at least some of the time while he was around me, I was a good example in AA <laughs> that, year, that first year of sobriety. He saw me not having a drink. And he didn't know how to do that. And I, I, I got it. I figured it out. And it's go to meetings, you know, get a sponsor, work the steps, you know, take actions you don't want to do, shake people's hands even if you don't like them. You know, all those things that I thought were stupid when I got here. And I, that's what I've done and I've stayed sober. Um, when, when my dad died, I, I, you know, I've heard when Sheila's dad passed away, um, I'm real funny about <clears throat> emotions and I just don't, I don't like to think about a lot of stuff because then I feel, you know, they were doing this vulnerable thing the other day and I'm thinking, shut up, would you not say that word anymore? I hate that word. I just hate that word. And, uh, and I don't like to be that. I don't like to be vulnerable. I don't like to be, I mean, it's like I'm, it's too much. I feel like I'm in a burst. And um, so when, when my dad passed away, Sheila talked about her dad and her being even. My father and I were even. The last time I saw my dad was... Um, March the 1st, he died on March um, 8th. I, the last day I saw him was on my birthday, my AA birthday, my 8th AA birthday. And um, he hugged me and he told me he loved me. And by the time 
before he died, he and I would talk on the phone several times a week, and he would call me and check on me, tell me he loved me, and kiss me and hug me. And um, my dad and I's relationship was restored because of Alcoholics Anonymous and the God that I found here. My dad didn't believe in God when he got to AA. I didn't know if he believed in God when he died. And I, this paper was in the floor next to his bed, and it was a, I guess a paper from like a journal or something that he kept. And at the bottom of it, it said, and I thank you, God, for my family and for my grandbaby. And it was Zachy. My little boy found my, my father, and he was 49 years old when he died. Very young, and very, he was healthy and in shape. And um, nobody thought, I mean, he was never sick. And he had a massive heart attack and died, and my little boy found him. And it was one of the hard, it's just one of the hardest times. I didn't know you could feel that much pain. And I just never imagined him not being around. And um, what I did, I got a phone call from my husband. He was at my mom and dad's house. He got there right when it happened. And is that not God or what? I mean, he was there for my family. And when that happened, um, I got a phone call. And before I got a phone call, he had called two of my friends in AA, and they were at my front door waiting because they didn't want me to drive. And I, first thing, as soon as I hung the phone up, I called my sponsor. And she was out of town speaking, so Dave answered. And I go, is Sheila there? And he goes, she's out of town. I go, oh, I forgot. And I said, I need to talk to her. I've got to talk to her now. He goes, what's wrong? And I told him. He goes, I'm going to call her. And she called me over at my mom's. I hadn't been there very long, and she called me over at my mom's. And what I was told to do was, it's not about you. Take the action, no matter what you feel like. It's do things for other people. See where you can be helpful to your family. And that's what I did. And it's the only thing that got me through it. Otherwise, I would have thought about me and poor me and look at my, oh, it's so sad. Look, I'm pregnant. He's not going to see the baby. Because, I mean, that stuff went on in my head. Don't get me wrong. It did go on in my head. <laughs> but if, if I would have just, like, vocalized all that, I had another sister. Uh, she's living with me now, actually. She's off of dope for uh, a couple of months. It's been interesting. <laughs> and my life is just always zipping around. I mean, it's, it's always exciting, at least. Um, I... Uh, Anyways, I, my sister was pregnant also. She was about three, three months pregnant. Our babies are two months apart. When my baby was born, he was born dead. And they brought him back. And when, when they took him, he was blue and purple and black. He wasn't even pink. And all I could see is them running with him like a football. They were holding him running saying, something's wrong, something's wrong. And um, I'm so grateful to AA because the only thing I knew to do, and I didn't even think of it, Todd thought of it, and I wished I could say I did, but I didn't. <laughs> he got on his knees and he held my hand. And my mother got on her knees and she held my hand. And we said, our father, and we prayed. And it wasn't very long after that that I heard him scream. But during that time in between, you would think that a mother would panic. Or I would normally panic, but I didn't panic. I um, I knew that no matter what, and sometimes you just have those knowings in your gut, in your soul, you just know it's going to be all right. I mean, it may not last for very long, but you just spray it leaf in a minute. Um, and I think that's a spiritual experience. But just for, for that time, I knew that whether this baby lived or died, we would be okay. And if this baby lived, we would love this baby no matter what. And if this baby died, my father would take care of him for me. And it may sound really corny to everybody else, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And uh, I live with it a lot easier that way.
and uh, Garner. Um, we named him. My father was mad at me because I didn't name my first son after him. Because <laughs> I hated his name. And his name was John. And we called him Eduardo because his middle name was Edward. And we Eduardo and he hated it, so we always did it. And um, so his name was John. And then Todd's grandfather, who is one of his he- biggest heroes his whole life, Todd's grandfather. He's got Alzheimer's and he's we t- take care of him a lot and it's, it's tough. But he's one of his heroes. And so I said... We were going to name him Garner already, we knew, after Todd's grandfather. And I said, Todd, could you please name him after my dad? I said, I know you hate the name John. I said, we don't have to even use it, but just can it be on the paper? And he said, he goes, yeah. And so my son's name is John Garner Jackson. And I think that's a great name. And we call him Garner, but um, I just thought I ought to let my dad get the last in, you know. He ought to get the last deal. And so I, I named my second one after my father. And, um, and, uh, Anyways, uh, after I, I had him and, uh, you know, my husband um, and I never have, have had very much as far as money-wise. And I know a lot of people get ir- irritated when you talk about money, but, but, I mean, I get irritated when I think about money. Um, <laughs> but when, we never had, since we were 16, we've been on our own. We either worked or stole to have what we had until we got sober. We quit stealing. Well, I was about six months sober, and I did steal something, but I made amends for it. But, <laughs> but, but you know, I don't steal anymore. I don't do that. You can't do that. Um, anyways, I wound up, um, what was I talking about? Money. Oh, see, yeah, it makes you crazy. <laughs> Money. <laughs> Money. Um, Todd and I never have had money. I mean, we've, we've struggled to get by. People would let us mow their yard for food. I mean, friends of ours. I mean, that's how we got by. And then we just kind of got by and we were really pretty poor. I mean, we just, if we had a car that ran pretty good, we were lucky to have that. And um, he wound up falling into this deal. And I, I mean, I know God has, has a plan now. I'm just, there's no doubt about it because Todd landed this good job on accident, really. It wasn't even his intention. I, I didn't want him to take it. I mean, I was like against it, really. I thought, oh, it's another quick money deal. You know, those things. We, he, he likes those. And um, <laughs> we, we don't get to eat much when he likes those a lot. And um, So, anyways, uh, I was really leery of it. But I told him, oh, do what you think. But I, I'm not sure, but do what you think. So he landed this great job about four years ago. And... Uh, it was when right before Garner was born. Actually, it's been longer, almost five years ago. But when Garner was born, um, we didn't have insurance. When Zach was born, the state paid for everything because we didn't have the money to pay for a baby. Garner, they want all this money up front. Well, started, Todd started making this good money. And it all went for this baby that we could pay for it. And we could eat and we could pay our bills. And every, you know, we had everything we needed. And uh, we didn't have a lot left because babies, I have no idea how much it costs to have a baby. But a lot of money. And so then... Uh, Todd's father has uh, cancer. He's still living. Um, he has brain cancer. He's in remission right now. He's got bone marrow cancer. He's very sick. Um, his mother has lupus. They just found out about, oh, I don't know, not six, nine months ago, something like that. And um, my mother, when my dad died, my mother didn't, he didn't leave anything. I mean, he left enough like, for us to bury him, and that was all there was. He didn't plan on dying, you know. And he didn't do it on purpose. He just didn't plan on it. And this is what I think God's plan was, was, you guys can't handle money very good, so you're going to have to give it away, because you don't handle it. So, I was really kind of irritated, you know, sometimes you get irritated, because you want stuff, or I'd want stuff, I like stuff, I love it, and uh, 
I mean, I'd like to say I didn't like stuff, but I do. And uh, stuff isn't going to keep me sober, but stuff is great fun to have sometimes. You know? I mean, I've been happy with no stuff and with stuff, and I like the with stuff a whole lot better. Than <laughs> Will blow you? I mean, really. Think about it. So, God knows we can't handle it until we've been sober a while. So, He gives it to us when not we need it, but when others need it. So, you know, God uh, gave us this job, gave Todd this job so that we could help my mother and so that he could help his family and uh, so my kids could grow up and have a great life. He may all be gone tomorrow, but you know what? I've done poor. I know how to do poor. I can do poor and be happy. That's not, I mean, I know how to do it. I mean, I don't want to do it, but I do know how, and, and I, I, can, I can do that. And, uh, you know, apparently God thinks that we can handle this now. I'm still not quite sure why he would think that, but um, apparently we're supposed to be doing the right thing. It's hard sometimes. Um, this last year, um, we bought a house. It is, Sheila told me when we bought this house it would be difficult. I thought, how could it be? I mean, you're buying a house. It's exciting. It's new. It's well, we lived in like a 1,200 square foot house and moved to a 3,800 square foot house. And I mean, I'm not real good about. I mean, I clean, but I'm I'm either really anal about it or I don't do it at all. And um, I'm trying to do the middle thing. So, anyways, um, we move into this house. We were there two weeks. I'm sitting in the floor. With, we have no furniture. I mean, you've got to go buy furniture because we didn't have enough furniture for this house. And I'm sitting in the floor, and I feel like I'm in a lobby waiting for something. And I just started bawling, and Todd came in there. He goes, what is wrong with you? And I go, I want to go home. I just want to go home. Because the house we lived in before, we lived there for 10 years. 10 years we lived there. It was our house. And we still have it. We won't sell it. I mean, if we go broke, we can go back there. But we rent it out. And um, the kids still miss their house. But it's becoming home. It's becoming home. And one of the reasons we bought this house was because of AA, because we wanted to have parties and we wanted to have things at our house like we went to when we were new, um, so people could come over. So there's lots of room and place for people to gather and and just fellowship. And uh, but it's, it's been it's true. It's been a hard deal. I mean, that's a tough deal. Moving my kid had to change schools, and I mean, we're still in the same area really, but he had to change schools. And and my mind, I mean, I look at it and I'm I don't look at the big picture. I'm looking. I'm thinking, slap some paint over there, do a little brickwork there finish that out over there. I'm thinking I'm going to have it all done in a month. I'm looking at it now and thinking uh, I might be done with it in like 10 years, maybe, <laughs> if I'm lucky. And you know what? That's all right now. I like kind of going, all right, just, it, it's still going to be there tomorrow. I mean, nobody's going to do anything with it. So just, it'll be there. And uh, my kids, I've had a hard time with my um, oldest son this last year. The last, probably the last six months have been a lot, a lot better. And one of the things that I've done is I've been more calm. And um, instead of, because I'm one of those people, I'll, I like, okay, 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 shut up. Don't talk to me. Be quiet. I don't want to talk to you. Get away, get away, get away. And I'm just one of those people that I take all I can take and I just want to, I just try to explode. And I found out that if I want to stay sober, I can't do that. Because I came to a point in my sobriety this last year, not this year, the whatever year, but I came to a point where I was so miserable because I knew that my actions, it didn't feel right anymore. It wasn't okay anymore. It's not okay to, to be that angry. I mean, to be so angry you want to hurt somebody, I, I did that all my life, and I've, I've lived without it, and I've known peace, and then it came back, and I can't live like that, and so I have to find a solution, and the only thing I know is to do more Alcoholics Anonymous, it's the only thing that I know to do, and to, to keep talking to my sponsor, to keep being honest with others, trying to help other people, and uh, try and do the right thing even if I don't want to do it, 
And that sometimes is just the best I can do. And you know what? That's good enough if I stay sober and I don't hurt others. That's, that's good enough because it doesn't have to be that way every day. But some days that's okay. You know, uh, some days just aren't great. You know, some days are so great you're just overwhelmed. And like, oh, my God, it's just too good. It's too good. What's gonna, you know, the bottom's going to fall out. I mean, that's my thinking. I'm thinking uh, I'm, I'm such a sarcastic, negative type person anyways, and I joke with it a lot. And I, I don't realize sometimes how it sounds to other people, but to me, I'm joking around, goofing off. It's just what's in my head. I say stuff, and uh, it, sometimes I have to go back and make amends and apologize for those things. Um, I'm about done. I'm almost done. I know you're all ready to go and eat or something, but um, I, all I know is that uh, the longer I'm here, I just don't know anything anymore. I don't, but I really, I've become teachable, and I'm really grateful for that. I've heard Peg talk about that, becoming teachable. And, um, I've, you know, I've done a lot of stuff in Alcoholics Anonymous. I've, I've, uh, I've always gone to meetings. I've, I've always had a sponsor. I've, I mean, I've done all the stuff that you're supposed to do. But I haven't always had that inner peace, that being able to lay your head down and go to sleep at night thing, you know. I mean, man, I'm telling you. And it comes with all different kinds. Money is one. I mean, I'll lay there and think, okay, that, 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 and that would equal. And get up and go right, start writing stuff down. And I get nuts with it. And, um, and I've... Uh, you know, when I when I get too busy for God, when I don't pray and when I don't meditate and when I don't, I mean, I'd love to stand here and say, I, I've prayed every day since I got sober. It's a lie. It's not true. I haven't. There's been days I haven't. And it talks about that in the big book. It talks about being rebellious. It talks about when we can't. It talks about what we should do. And what it says is we should, well, basically, you know, get your ass in gear is what it says, really. And, uh, <laughs> and you can read between the lines, but that's really what it says, you know. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm grateful for my foundation in Alcoholics Anonymous, and I'm grateful for my sponsor that I have today that keeps me, you know, tries to keep me on the path. I may veer a little bit every once in a while, but tries to keep me on the path, you know, and uh, tells me the truth. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful for the girls that I get to sponsor. Um, I, I didn't want to sponsor anybody. Um, I didn't want to mess with my time. And um, I started sponsoring people when I was very early in sobriety. And right now I've only got three girls. Um, but one of them's like 10, uh, you know, and, she's, you know, and uh, she's been such a great gift to me because um, her and I got sober around the same time, 12 years ago, and she stayed sober a year with me. We hung out together. We were each other's buddies, you know, for a year, and she went back out, and her and I have kept in touch over the years off and on. When she'd get real drunk, she'd call, you know, and I'd talk to her for a minute. Well, anyway, she wound up um, coming in about almost five months ago, and uh, she came in, and uh, she waited outside for me to see if I was coming to the meeting. And I came that night and I said, hey. And she goes, hey. And she looked terrible. This is the first time she's ever been willing to jump in the middle and just be a part of it, do whatever I asked of her to do. And she's having fun. She, I mean, she's doing better. She calls me every day. I mean, she's so nutty. It's just, it's fun. I mean, she's fun to be, I mean, I, mean, I think I've got problems. I just have to listen to her and I'm doing great, you know, really. And. Uh, and so, you know, I'm grateful for A, for, for the foundation that it gave me. It's the solid foundation I have. You know, um, I couldn't have built anything at all without that. Nothing in my life could have come together at all without that foundation. You know, and uh, the people in Alcoholics Anonymous have given me everything I have. Everything I have, I sure don't deserve. I'm positive of that. Because I'm not just, I'm not a nice person. I'm not a giving person. Not, it's not my nature. I, I mean, uh, God provides those things for me to, to do, but I, it's not in my nature. And, uh, you know, sometimes I'd like to take the credit for the good stuff, but when the bad stuff comes, boy, oh, I'm not taking any of the credit at all. 
But my, my life today is very full. I am busy all the time, and apparently I need to be right now. Um, um, my husband and I are um, walking through some stuff, but we're walking through it together, and we're doing all right. I mean, things um, are pretty okay, and um, my kids are doing okay. Little Garner, he's um, going to be four this summer, and he's... Oh my God, he's awful. He calls Sheila. I tell Sheila all these terrible things he does. He broke a window the other day. He threw a shoe, and he scratched my new big screen TV thing with the with the screwdriver. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> so I'm telling Sheila all these awful things he's doing. So she comes. It was my birthday night, and she comes and she say, he goes. Oh, you're you're my princess, and I'll be your hero. And I thought, oh, puke on you! <laughs> I thought, that is ridiculous. I can't believe. So she doesn't think he's awful. But he really is awful. I mean, when he's good, he's really good. But when he's bad, he's really bad. And and uh, I have relationships with my with my mother, a really close relationship with my mother and my grandmother. And um, I've got good relationships with just about everybody I know. I have a, I had a friend that I was really good friends with in AA for eight years, and um, her and I no longer. Um, get to hang out. I'm not angry with her and I don't think she is with me. It just worked out that way. And um, you know, we talk about those lifelong friendships and all I know is that I have to continue to try and be available. Because um, if I do something to um, burn my bridges, those people may not feel comfortable to call later. And you know, and I have to try and do that. And I'm, it's so hard for me to keep my mouth shut and do the right thing sometimes. And um, with that deal I have, and I'm so grateful. You know, I took direction from somebody else. And, uh, you know, she's not in my life, and it's been a big um, loss. I mean, in my life, it really has. It just breaks my heart. We, we saw each other every day. We picked our kids up from school together. We hung out and did lunch, and she'd come over and help me clean my house. I'd go help her clean hers. I mean, we always were doing things together. And she was sober and AA, and we were both working towards the same things. And that was that's gone. And it's a void in my life, uh, something that I miss. And so God has seen fit to keep my butt busy, you know. And so I've been just really, really busy and haven't had to just think about it and mope, you know, in my little head. But I know that I haven't done anything to uh, to keep her from coming back to me if she needs to. And, uh, you know, I just would like to thank you guys for um, for having me here. And I'd like to thank you for um, listening. And I, um, I went three minutes over, and I'm sorry. 